Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have amazing news for you. Our partners at Bet Online, they're getting it done. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, hockey playoffs. Uh, with the Stanley Cup, you got the NBA Finals, you have baseball, you have NFL futures early that you can do right now as well. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online is where the game starts. Celebrate your whale of a dad with a fudgy the whale ice cream cake from the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter No matter what kind of treat or design your dad wants, they make it happen. Your dad deserves a tasty treat this Father's Day. Soft serve ice cream, milkshakes, sundaes, shakes, and more. America's favorite since 1934. Carvel. Open seven days a week. Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Stop in today. Fudge of the Whale is waiting for you. MyHotTub.com is a global leader in the hot tub industry. With over 25 years of experience, their hot tubs are built in the United States with the highest standards of quality control, an extensive warranty, and customer service representatives available seven days a week. They offer free shipping to your home with factory direct pricing and incredible financing plans. Visit online at MyHotTub.com or stop in Destiny USA today. MyHotTub.com. Whether online or in person, you better hurry because these spas won't last. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. It's the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by our great friends over at Burn Dairy. Make sure you stop by and grab the coffee and donuts on your way into work. Gas up your vehicle and hot and cold food available, including subs, pizza, and more for lunch and dinner. Burn Dairy, it's all good. And also a big tip of the cap, thank you to the Swan and Whitaker families, as well as Tiny Bubbles Laundromat, Ken's Auto Detailing, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and our great, great friends over at Camillus Golf Club, the official golf course of the NL Sports Platter. Go play Camillus today, 18 holes of championship golf, and a just a terrific, terrific uh, spread for food and drink before, during, and after your round at Camillus. Book your tournament, get your membership, you name it, Go to Camillus, Camillus Golf Club, and CamillusHillsGolfClub.com for more information. Um, Phil Mickelson, I, I'm going to spend a few minutes on Phil Mickelson, um, and, and, and then I'm going to play a crossover episode of the Pandemonium Podcast from the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. I have my man Stu Boyer on, uh, the longtime TV anchor out in Buffalo, who's now retired but still has a very, very close eye. Uh, on the team and, uh, you know, cover the 90s Bills teams, the four straight Super Bowls, the whole thing. You're really going to enjoy that. We get into a lot of things, um, you know, Josh Allen's growth last year. Um, you know, we get into Von Miller's potential impact. We get into OTA's mini camp, training camp back in the, you know, back in the heyday when Stu covered the team and, and what it was like for him. Um, you know, we get into Josh Allen potentially being the number one athlete in Buffalo sports history if he wins a title. So it's a really great conversation, and uh, that is coming up here around the corner. But I wanted to just chat a little bit about Phil Mickelson, and, and here's the thing. I don't care if it's an athlete, you know, a, a, a musician, you're an entertainer, comedian, whatever the case may be. You know, you're going to go and you're going to try to cash checks. You're going to try to go make um, – you know, as much money as humanly possible. And, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, 
I don't have a problem with some of these guys jumping ship. I, I would love to see uh, a couple of them say that it's about the money. But Phil is in a different territory. He's in a different territory than Graham McDowell, than Martin Keimer, than, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, than Bryson DeChambeau, okay? Phil Mickelson is the second most popular player in a generation behind Tiger Woods. He's probably, well, he's definitely a top 10 golfer of all time and probably squeaks into that, you know, 9-8 range. Um, I think when you look at, you know, the list, you, you kind of start and end with, um, with you know, the major winners, right? You, 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 you kind of look and, and, and see... Uh, you know, okay, who has who has the most? How do you rank them? How many PGA Tour events do they have? You know, how many worldwide are they are they global? You know, all those sorts of things. And then you can look at the off the course stuff too, in terms of popularity and TV ratings, and um, you know, moving the needle and, and 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 the global impact and all that stuff. That's where like an Arnold Palmer comes in. But but you know, he's probably I would say you know it's Tiger, it's Jack. Um, you know, from there you could have any order of you know. Uh, Bobby Jones, certainly, I think Gary Player has to be in there. I mean, the guy, you know, the guy's won freaking nine majors. People forget about Gary Player all the time. Uh, you know, Walter Hagen, you probably, you know, Bobby Jones, Sam Snead, you know, all those, Arnold Palmer. Um, but after those guys, I mean, Phil Mickelson's got six majors, man. I mean, he, he's got to be, he's got to be a, a top 10 golfer and, and, and very, quite possibly could be a top, you know, eight or even seven uh, player of all time. I, I would say I'd go Tiger one, Jack two. Uh, I go Ben Hogan three. Um, boy, from there, you know, I, you're probably splitting hairs. You might have to put, you know, a Bobby Jones based on impact and all the rest, and maybe a Watson, then player, you know, and, and, and then, you know, do you put, and then probably Palmer, right? And then I, I think I would probably go Mickelson. Um, you know, maybe maybe Hagen then Mickelson or Sarazen then you know Mickelson, but again, it's so hard to compare eras. But um, it's certainly way harder to win. Um, you know, in in today's day and age, the modern era, uh, he had to go through the Tiger Woods era. Uh, Walter Hagen played from 1914 to 1929. There was no Tiger Woods. <laughs> you know, he didn't have to contend with him. Neither did Harry Varden. You know, back in 1896 to 1914. So, um, but Mickelson, I mean, look, his resume is ridiculous, but he's different than all the other live golfers. He's different from a popularity standpoint, from a success standpoint. He's different. His fan base is enormous. You know, he has six major wins. He has 57 professional wins and 45 of them are on the PGA Tour. That's tied for eighth all time. He's won three Masters, the most coveted tournament of them all. He's won two PGA Championships. You know, he's won the Open Championship and he's doesn't have the U.S. Open. He's finished tied for second six times. It's eluded him many, many times. The most famous one, of course, in 1999 when Payne Stewart uh, won it and, of course, kind of, you know, raised his arms and all that and, um, you know, unfortunately was was tragically um, lost after that. Um, but Mickelson is a different cat. He's different than all those other guys for all the reasons I mentioned. And so, therefore, you have to handle yourself differently. You have to speak about things differently, okay? Phil Mickelson went out in the public. And look, he stated a lot of things about the Saudis that we already knew, right? 
blood money, killing journalists, terrible uh, culture in the country, uh, awful leadership, um, you know, human rights are, 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 are way down, right? We knew all those things. Mickelson talked about that. Then he went into hibernation. Then he signs a $200 million deal with the Saudis. That is just garbage, you know? It's so hypocritical, and it's so shady and sketchy, such a fraud. Because, listen, if you want to sign on with Saudis, then just go do it. You want to go do it and say it's not about the money? I would rather have you do that than do what Phil did. Phil Mickelson has a lot of egg on his face. And if you watch that press conference at the U.S. Open a couple of days ago where he was getting absolutely positively grilled by media, and rightfully so, um, you know, about, about Live Golf, you know, Mickelson was super uncomfortable. Um, you know, he, he didn't seem himself. He wasn't outgoing and gregarious. And that's not Phil. Phil's the other way around, especially in the public. Now, there are a lot of players on tour who have made mention over the years that Phil's a total pain in the ass. He's a prima donna. He's a fraud. Uh, you know, the smiles and high fives that you see with the gallery and all the rest, it couldn't be completely more opposite than, than how he really actually acts around his peers. Um, I don't know. I'm not inside the ropes. I don't know Phil Mickelson. But right now, he's on my shit list because this is not cool. You can't go out in public and talk about all these things that they're doing, you know, and, and how bad they are and all, and then just sign with them a couple months after the fact. Alan Shipnook's book apparently just absolutely destroys Phil Mickelson and this whole Saudi thing. Um, you know, but you can't you can't do that. You can't go from you know, one, one side uh, like that telling us all the things we know about how bad the Saudis are. And then, you know, <laughs> and then, and then join them for $200 million. I mean, it just, it does not look good. It is a horrible, horrible look. Um, speaking of Alan Shipnuck, he was removed from Phil Mickelson's LIV golf press conference. Um, I don't know if a lot of people saw that, but um, he was expelled. Um, and I am just pulled up an article here. Um, he previously had published a quote from the Live Golf Star on Saudi Arabia back in February, as everybody knows. It wasn't well received by the tour um, for whom Mickelson has now signed up, but apparently Mickelson was just using it as a negotiation, right? Um, there's a video out there. If you go look at at Fire Pit Stories, there's a snippet of video of Alan Shipnuck getting removed from Phil Mickelson's post round interview um, at the LIV event outside of London. And what's not shown is one of the security guards twice putting hands on Alan, who on both occasions said, "Do not touch me." And the video is by CNN. Um, you know, I just uh, you know you 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 look at it. Uh, and, and it's just a really, really bad, dirty look. Um, you know, Mickelson refers to the Saudis as scary MFers. Um, and then he mentions, you know, a, a, a journalist, a murder of a journalist. Um, he didn't stop there. Uh, horrible record on human rights, on and on and on and on. And to that end, the narrative surrounding LIV, according to this article, you know, instantly became one that suggests a tour is nothing more than a way for the Saudi regime to improve it's imaged by offering lucrative contracts to PGA's players. Okay, well, incidentally, Mickelson has not played a single stroke um, 
you know, since the comments were public, as I mentioned, he was in hibernation. Now he's going to play in the U.S. Open, obviously, as I record this. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess, you know, the journalist was basically promptly and aggressively ejected from the session. And it leaves open the question, like, what's next on that? You know, like, he should be there. He deserves to be there. Um, he's a journalist. He wrote a biography. whoop de frickin do you know? Um, but Mickelson just looks really, really bad. I mean, honestly, I, I would rather have, um, you know, I would rather have any of these guys play and even not mention, you know, that they did it for the money. And, and and just just play as opposed to talking about all the bad things and how you can't imagine jumping ship because of all those evil things that the Saudis do and then using that as negotiation along with your hibernation. It's just completely irresponsible. Um, like I said, I think he's going to lose some sponsors. He's going to lose some fans. He's going to lose some credibility. Uh, there will be people on the tour who could not care less for Phil at all. Um you know, they might have been close to him before. Now now they might not be. Um, and it's just, again, it's a terrible look for Phil Mickelson. He just does not look good. This is absolutely hypocritical. This would be like, you know, an NBA player waxing poetic, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, yelling and screaming about China and human rights and all the bad things they do and all the rest, and then waxing poetic later on because they're getting $200 million to sign up with a Chinese basketball league. Um, you know, LeBron... One of my major criticisms of LeBron while he's out there, you know, in the social light and all the rest, he, he doesn't seem to mind, um, you know, protecting China, um, you know, while he's selling Space Jam 2 movies, right? Um, so that's that's that, right? It, it's always about the money. And Phil Mickelson in this particular case, sure, it was definitely about the money. There's no doubt about that. Um, he can tell us all he wants to about his kids and Amy and all this other sort of thing and you know, playing a lighter schedule and, you know, things in, in my life more important to me than anything else. Those things all could be true, but the number one reason he went was because of $200 million. And he just looks really foolish now because he's got the cash, he moved to the tour, um, you know, and, and just said all those things prior, and that was just completely and utterly irresponsible. Uh, the ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Welch & Company Jewelers. Shop the showcase today, welchjewelers.com. Still time to get some Father's Day gifts at welchjewelers.com. They've got awesome watches for dad at welchjewelers.com. Welch & Company Jewelers is the official jewelry store of the ML Sports Platter. And I do want to mention a quick thank you to our friends over at the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, Burton Ace Hardware, Rosie's Corner, and are outstanding, outstanding people at Carvel of North Syracuse. It is every single day uh, uh, filled with your favorite sweet treats from soft serve ice cream to the, the saucers to ice cream cakes for any occasion. So go see my friends at Carvel of North Syracuse. Uh, they can hook you up with, uh, with any cake, any shape, any size, uh, a wide range to choose from. So make sure you go pick that up at Carvel of North Syracuse, right there, a couple of entrances, Route 11, South Bay Road. If you're in and around Central New York, stop by Carvel of North Syracuse, right across from Julie's Diner. All right, coming up next, you're going to hear from uh, my good pal, Stu Boyer. We're going to talk some Buffalo Bills football. It is a crossover episode. 
of the Pandemonium Podcast on the Buffalo Bills Podcast Network. Make sure you hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports, and be on the lookout for my ML Sports Take videos all over the social platforms like TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and IGTV, Instagram. Here he is, Stu Boyer, the former TV anchor in Buffalo, talking some Bills. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? Mike Lindsley back with you for the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, man. Make sure you follow us all over the place on social media Facebook and Twitter uh, and YouTube. Uh, we're growing every day. We're loving the listens. We're loving the shares. Again, download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review to the podcast network, and then catch us on all the social platforms across the board. And that Twitter handle is at builtinbuffalo underscore. We're talking giveaways left and right, seven days a week Bills content. So make sure you're tuning in and downloaded and subscribed. And, uh, of course, uh, we will uh, continue to deliver the goods uh, relating to all things Buffalo Bills. All right, let's get into it here. Let's waste no time. I'm going to bring in a really good friend of mine. His name is Stu Boyer. He worked at WGRZ-TV in Buffalo for decades covering the Buffalo Bills, one of the best in the business, former TV anchor, former reporter, former Buffalo Bills insider, still keeps very close tabs on this team that has Super Bowl aspirations in 2022. Let's bring him in, Stu Boyer. Hey, Stu. Uh, I'm always glad to speak with you, Mike. I've been great. Uh, retirement's fabulous, and uh, I cut my swim a few minutes short and didn't shave today, so if, uh, I know we're on a podcast, but if anybody's looking, it looks like I haven't shaved, that's why. <laughs> hey, every day is a Saturday, man. You shave whenever you want, you swim whenever you want, uh, you, you you do whatever you want. Um, the expectations for this Bills team this year, I mean, you've covered the team for so long, uh, including the 90s, you know, the four straight Super Bowls. Is this season upcoming the highest expectations you can remember you know since the 90s teams uh and and maybe is it higher Stu right now uh well I happen to be a very optimistic guy so I'm going to say yes to that and someone asked me the other day I was out walking around my neighborhood and someone said so what do you think about the bills this year and I said Super Bowl champions now I realized the AFC is filled with landmines. I really thought they should have done it last year, but they had that 13-second gap of I still don't know what the blank happened. And um, they've got a very talented roster. They retooled. Once again, Kansas City and Tennessee will be problematic. Um, The Jets and Miami, I think, have improved. I don't think they'll challenge the Bills for the division. Uh, I hope they stop the Patriots every time they plan for the next 100 years, and I expect them to do that twice. Um, so I say, Mike, Super Bowl champions got to stay healthy and keep number 17 straight up. I like how they revamped the offensive and defensive lines. And um, bring it on. Let's play some football. No doubt. 
Um, where do you think last year Josh Allen grew even more? You know, I mean, he's been ascending, obviously, but he was, I would say, the best player in the playoffs um, and, and was flawless. I mean, perfect against the Patriots, basically. Where, where did he take another jump last year for you, Stu? Well, I think what's happened with Josh is, as you mentioned, he got better every year, but I think he got better at – he, he's so comfortable in this offense and now he's learned more about how, what the defensive coordinators are going to do to try and stop him. So I'm going to say he took gigantic strides in leadership. Look at that Tampa Bay game. He gets hurt. He hurt the leg. Didn't matter. Um, they were down what? 21 at halftime, get it into overtime. If the officials didn't miss two pass interference calls on Stephen Diggs that were blatant, I can see him from my living room. That makes him blatant to me. They win that game. And uh, I, I just think he continues to improve at everything. You know what, Mike? I think he's still going to get better. That's how good this kid is. He's one of those freak athletes, and he's got the right mindset. You know, great athletes want the truth. Well, this kid's been told the truth. The Bills and Brian Dayball and Jordan Palmer and most of all, Josh Allen, have given him the truth, and he's taken giant strides each year. Leadership and reading defenses, I'm going to say, are, are two things that he's made tremendous improvements at, and, and he continues to improve his all-around game. And I say he's such a freakish athlete because he's 6'5 and runs. He's an incredible runner. I mean, hopefully... With the new offensive line, a better running game, he's not running for his life nearly as often. Uh, but he can improvise on the run. He can hurdle you if he, have to, he has to, and he can throw it on the run. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan, and I expect him to continue. This is kind of scary for the rest of the AFC to continue to get better. So, obviously, the NFL is just blowing up into this this huge, huge, huge you know, brand and, and it's the number one sport in our country and we just can't consume enough football. They've added regular season games. The draft is an event. Uh, there, there's so many things that go on. This offseason was the wildest probably in league history with free agency and trades and all the rest. Um, it, it's mushroomed to this point. Some of it has to do, of course, with the gambling. Some of it has to do with, you know, the change in the rule. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Let, let's rewind the clock back to this time of year for you when you covered the Bills. What was this time like? You know, the OTA time and the mini camp time. What was it like then, Stu? Well, I'll tell you what. I was never that big a fan of training camp. So I was in my I'm dreading training camp mode because we'd have to drive to Rochester every day. Uh, you go back to the 90s when the Bills trained at Fredonia. I liked that much better because it wasn't nearly as corporate. There were Hall of Famers all over the field. Um, and... You know, back in the day, the media could eat lunch. We ate lunch with Mark, with the great Marv Levy a number of times. We discussed his Chicago Cubs and my Cleveland Indians. Um, and, of course, a little bit about the Bills and football. But, you know, we, we it was just a regular conversation. So I loved it at Fredonia. Didn't like it at St. John Fisher. Training camp for the media is an awful lot of work. And um, I wasn't a big fan of it, and I'm still not. I, I like the games, and I don't mean the exhibition games. I still refuse to call them preseason games. They're exhibitions. 
And generally what happens is, unfortunately, you lose players to injuries. Because how many times have you seen a guy have a great exhibition slash preseason season? Damn it, I did it. Um, <laughs> and then not make the team. So, Mike, I was not um, – you know, in the 90s, I probably liked it because I knew that team was going to be very good in the early 90s. And usually Bruce Smith wasn't there, so there was always some kind of story because Bruce liked training camp about as much as I did. So, um, toward in the last few years, I really dreaded it. Uh, it was exhausting driving back and forth on some of the hottest days of the year. You're carrying a camera and a tripod around. You're putting stories together. Um, back in Fredonia, there, w- there was no FTP and no VPN, the virtual personal network. So you had to drive it back and edit it. It got easier in some ways and tougher in some others. It got easier because the technology got better and it got tougher because I got older. Um, so not necessarily a big can of, fan of training camp, but I will say this. In Josh Allen's rookie year, I did come out and say, why are we bothering with Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron? We drafted this kid seventh overall. Let this kid play because the sooner you find out about him, the better off you're going to be. And this kid's way better than both those two kids on size and arm strength alone. So, um a long-winded answer i didn't really care for training camp that much what i can't wait for is opening night in the opening kickoff okay so we last year you know going into the season we we were looking for breakout players you know on each side of the ball and ed oliver's name came up a lot with some people i had on my show dawson knox came up a lot uh, with people i had on my shows and both guys did take a pretty nice leap forward last year do, do you have a guy on each side of the ball, Stu, that you're looking at to make that major leap? I, I, I think a lot of people are looking at Greg Rousseau on defense. Well, I think some of those, all those kids actually, uh, who were drafted last year and before, A.J. Epineza, Rousseau, Boogie Basham, they need to take a big step forward, as does Tremaine Edmonds, his option year. Um, and you know what? I'm excited because now, finally, and this is another one I said in his rookie year, not to toot my own horn, but I guess that's what me media types do. Uh, Gabe Davis, before that four-touchdown outburst in the, in the AFC game against Kansas City that the Bills franchise quarterback won twice in the last two minutes of the game uh, on fourth-down conversions, um, I like that kid from day one, and if you remember two years ago, they don't beat the Colts without Gabe Davis because he made like four fantastic catches getting both feet in bounds. So defensively, you're 100% correct. Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, Tremaine Edmonds, and uh, maybe especially A.J. Epinesa because he's the third-year guy. Uh, Offensively, I want to see Devin Singletary continue his progress that he showed late last season. And I know Gabe Davis will do it. That kid is a player. Um, And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'll keep saying it. Josh Allen is going to continue to get better. Um, The key for them is keeping him standing up straight and in one piece. And as long as he's standing, they have a chance to do really, really special things. You know, with, with, with Allen, too, I think it's not only obviously have they had the coaching, the continuity, they've built, you know, the team around him. Um, but, you know, in the NFL, it's it's half and half, Stu, you know. I mean, the quarterback has to do his thing, you know, learn the playbook, stay in shape, um, 
you know, work on, on, on things, be coachable, um, and on and on it goes, and then make other people better. And then the other half of it is, you know, what's your front office doing? Are other people staying healthy? Do you have an offensive line? And it seems as though with Allen, as they've added more pieces, he finds different ways to make others better as well. Have you noticed that? I mean, and, and that's probably part leadership, but also just the quality of the player, how he's made, you know, the likes of even a Devin Singletary last year and sharing more with an Isaiah McKenzie, a Gabe Davis, as you alluded to, Stephon Diggs, we know is a star, but he's alluded to never having anybody like Josh Allen in terms of being a teammate. Have you seen him in that role making others better? I'm going to answer that this way, Mike. Um, the kid is so down to earth. And let's face it, he is a superstar, a mega star. And you would never, ever know it. That's how down to earth that kid is. And I think that alone um, speaks to his character. And, you know, all these guys, they know, there's a couple things that they know that some of us will never know. They know, A, who can play. They know who's working hard. And they know who has their back and who believes in them. And every single player on that team seems to really love that guy. Um, Deion Dawkins has always called him his dog. Um, so I, I just think this kid is that rare package of absolutely everything. Big arm, big legs, big talent, big leadership. You name it, he's absolutely got it. I can't wait to see Jamison Crowder on this team. Yeah, um, me too. I, I think that's a big upgrade over Cole Beasley. He brings a more physical style. Now, look at the Bills' offense, and let's just say for argument's sake that O.J. Howard and Jamison Crowder find themselves with a better quarterback than they've ever played for, played with, right? And even if Stephon Diggs is just, quote-unquote, Stephon Diggs, and even if Dave Davis doesn't take the kind of leap I'm projecting him to take, well, those two other guys can make a huge difference if they can stay healthy because they bring, and if Dawson Knox continues to grow, and there's another guy that Josh Allen, I think has really helped. So um, the answer to your question is in every way possible. And I, you know, Mike, I'm probably way too optimistic, but this kid, I've never seen anyone like him. And that includes Jim Kelly. He's one of my all time favorites. Uh, but Josh seems to have a greater you know, when Jim got here, he was a cocky guy. Josh has never been like that. Um, you know, I don't know. He could be trash-talking opponents like a madman. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily see that. But there's something about Josh. Josh seems to have something, a certain calmness about him, no matter what the situation is, that keeps everyone else calm and involved. Stu Boy, yeah. A question, but... Yeah. I agree with you. I, I, I think he's fantastic. We're talking with Stu Boyer, covered the Bills for years at WGRZ uh, TV, and of course, uh, uh, you know, all the training camps, all the games, all the Super Bowls in the 90s uh, here on the Pandemonium podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. What you just explained leads perfectly into my next question. If the Bills win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen as quarterback, and he's obviously going to be leading the way, um, do, do you think that he all of a sudden vaults ahead of every past Buffalo athlete 
because he delivered that championship. I'm talking ahead of Perot and Hashik and Bruce Smith and Reed and Thurman and J.K. and you know all of them. I mean, does he vault all the way to the top because he delivered that title? In your opinion, from popularity, success, whatever the case may be, would he be number one? Absolutely, positively, yes. Okay. Yeah. Great that all those other athletes were, and make no mistake, they were fabulous, and they have the Hall of Fame credentials. He would be bringing them the one thing this city has never had. And they, have, they have a couple of AFL championships. Yep. Yep. They have three trips to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, or is it two? Three, I believe. That's what I thought. Flyers in the seventies, right? And then uh, they lost in '99 to the uh, to the Stars. And oh no, maybe it is two. No, it's three. They lost. Uh, no, they didn't make it. That yeah, they lost to the Stars. It's two. They lost to. Um, the Capitals in 98 in Game 6. I was there for that one. That was Joe Juno in overtime. And then yeah, uh, they lost. So, yeah, yep, two. They lost to Dallas in the famous no goal. Yep. They lost in the conference finals to Carolina the year, the, the year that was theirs except for the injuries. Yeah, but 2006. I, yep. I digress. Yep. The answer to your question um, is absolutely positively yes, for the simple reason that no one has done what we're all hoping, and I do believe he is going to do, and this is the year. Wow. You know, the uh, the NFL offseason was obviously wild, and, and the Bills, for all the moves that they made, and the list is extremely long, as you know, at the top of that list is Von Miller. They, they wanted to go out and get, you know, that guy who offensive coordinators have nightmares about. You've got a game plan for a specific guy a la Aaron Donald, a la Reggie White, a la Bruce Smith, a la fill-in-the-blank. Von Miller's impact on the Bills will be felt the most where, Stu? When they need a big play to shut down a drive on third down, when it puts the fear of God into whatever quarterback they're playing against, because he will make the big play when it's needed. And honestly, I think his impact will be felt up and down the defense. He will make them all better. And, you know, um, maybe he can get Tremaine Edmonds to be the player they thought they were getting. And he takes a lot of unjustified grief, which I understand. It goes with the territory. And I'm not saying he's been great, but he hasn't been nearly as bad as some people paint him out to be. And maybe he can get him to take that next step. He makes everybody on that defensive line better. Um, look out. I mean, it, it, the last thing I ever expected, I was joking with a friend of mine. We're watching the Rams in the Super Bowl, and obviously Aaron Donald's probably the best player in the game and has been. And yet we were just joking. It's like, boy, it'd be nice if the Bills, you know, Von Miller, he's a free agent. Maybe the Bills would get him. We were laughing. He was like, well, he'll never come to Buffalo. He's in L.A. And then one day my phone just blows up. And I'm like, you're kidding. This must be a joke. And it turns out it was legitimate. So um, I think he will have the impact of an earthquake on that defense. Because now we have a good blend of youth, some veteran experience, and um, what a leader. So there's the guy who is going to be making the big play on the defense. I mean, that's what they're paying him to do, right? Yeah. Third down, we want to stop this drive, put this game away. That's the guy they're paying to make that big play. He's always done it. And, yeah, it's a six-year deal. I don't expect him to be around at the end of it. But I'm concerned with now, and he's always played at a high level. He didn't drop off any last year. 
So I fully expect that to continue. And you have to give Brandon Bean an, an office credit because look what they've done. Brandon Bean's an amazing general manager. I think overall, Bills fans should obviously be extremely pleased with what he's done. And overall, and I emphasize overall, should be happy with Sean McDermott as well. From the culture, you know, team building, all the other different things, the way they've drafted, he and Bean are, are two peas in a pod. They're, they're in sync with each other all the time. However, there, there has been in the past concern from my seat with McDermott as a head coach, as a championship head coach, making the proper decisions. You brought up 13 seconds. It's still haunting Bills fans across the country, uh, across the world, because that was a situation where it was 13 seconds, Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, you know that they have two timeouts. You know that they're an explosive team. You played them enough to know that they're, they're a championship club, and yet they played almost pretty much a prevent defense to the boundaries and just gave them yards, and, and, and McDermott could have easily controlled that. Sean McDermott at one point started Nathan Peterman. Last year, Sean McDermott, he tried to force the ground game with without the personnel yet. You know, the O-line wasn't healthy. Singletary hadn't yet become Singletary. Then finally they run the ball, but it was when everything was working. But McDermott tried to force it down Dable's throw earlier in the season. Are you all in on Sean McDermott? We'll end with that. Yes. Okay. You know, and, and do I blame him for the 13 seconds? Well, unfortunately, he's the head coach, so he takes the blame for that. Um, but if you look at where they were, when Sean McDermott arrived and where they are now, how can you not be sold on the guy? He and Brandon Bean have built a great team together. I shouldn't say great. They haven't won anything yet. Fair enough. They built on paper a great team, a team that's been in the playoffs however many years in a row now. Um, Brandon Bean said he would get a franchise quarterback and that would define his legacy. Well, get what? He's looking pretty good. And, you know, coaching, like everything else, you grow, you learn, you get better. And Sean McDermott has applied every one of those lessons from day one to learn to grow and get better. He's not perfect. He's never going to be perfect. And, you know, he doesn't. And I give him credit for not hanging anybody out to dry about the 13 seconds. I know a lot of media folks don't really care for that. But he made that decision, and I'm perfectly fine with that decision. So, you know, um, is, he, is he perfect? No. But I do believe he will be the coach that will lead the Buffalo Bills to a Super Bowl championship. So the answer to your question is a resounding yes. He, he, didn't, he didn't throw anybody under the bus, but in, in a way he indirectly did when he said, yeah. you know, execution. Well, what is that? When a head coach says execution, that immediately, ding, 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 the light bulb goes to the players there. So... I don't know. I, boy, I'll tell you what, Stu. I, I think if they win that game, I, I think I think that team that team may win it all right there, man. I mean, you host the Bengals, and then you go to the Super Bowl, and and, and they had as good a chance as the Rams, you know, to win it. Why not? Um, I, I think I think they might have done it last year. I really do. I do too, which is why I think they're the favorites this year. It'll be tougher because the AFC is better. Loaded. Joe Pro yeah. is the real deal, yeah. and you know. The Bengals lost the Super Bowl, but they did go into KC and do something the Bills didn't, and that was beat the Chiefs. So um, I I think indirectly, the Bills' former special teams coach now in Jacksonville 
might have borne the brunt for that. Uh, no squib kick, or and I, I, I really don't know. But I can live with him. And if he wants to blame the players, fine. They didn't execute whatever the play was called. Whatever it is, it'll be a 13 seconds that will live in infamy in the history of this franchise. It's got to be right up there with no goal, wide. And anything else you can think of because, and again, your franchise quarterback converted two fourth downs into touchdowns in the final two minutes of the game. So essentially he won it for you twice. Why in God's name would anyone ever kick the ball to Tyreek Hill, which they believe they did in that game, is beyond me. Yeah. Um, but that's what I, I seem to remember them doing that at some point in that game, and he had a huge return. And I'm like, why would you kick the ball to that guy ever? Um, and, and, you know, the one he has the one thing that the Bills haven't shown yet, that breakaway speed. And that essentially was has been the difference between the Bills and the Chiefs is the breakaway speed. The Chiefs Chiefs have it. The Bills didn't. Maybe they still don't. We'll find out. I'm hoping Mark Marquez Stevenson can be a great return man along with Isaiah McKenzie because uh, Stevenson can fly. So we'll see. I mean, there are a lot of things that we don't know yet, Mike. And obviously, I'm very. I can afford to be a lot more optimistic now because uh, basically, I'm a fan. Um, but I see so many good things that have happened and appear to continue to be happening that, and I know the AFC is loaded. I mean, look, at I'm, I'm grateful they're in AFC East, not in the AFC West. Holy cow, what an off season. And I got to take one shot at the Cleveland Browns. What in heaven's name were they thinking? And, and I read a lot how the, the Browns have this great roster. And I'm like, they do? That's funny because I didn't see them in any, you know, playoff games last year. Did I? So how good is that roster? Well, they have an adult in the room now, Stu, you know, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And they, and the Browns screwed up the whole Baker Mayfield Big thing. Time. That kid yep. never should have been on the field. He was hurt. Yep. That's on him, yep. and it's on them, and it's on his agent. It, it, they all share some blame there. So, and, and, you know, so, and obviously I'd much rather have Josh Allen than anyone, but um, – <laughs> When I compare rosters, the only area that I think Cleveland has an edge on Buffalo is Nick Chubb over Devin Singletary. Other than that, I'll match him up anywhere. It's like, really? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, like I said, I'm optimistic by nature, Mike. And now that I'm not dealing with the media stuff every day, I get to be a fan. and, And I'm grateful that I still get to talk to guys like you and share some thoughts. And, um, Hopefully, come February, we'll be celebrating the first Super Bowl championship in the history of the Buffalo Bills. Well, we're all going to lose our minds if that happens. We know uh, we know what that city would do. We know what Bills Mafia would do. It would be absolutely spectacular if they were to pull that off. This was incredible. I knew it would be. Stu Boyer, the longtime WGRZ-TV anchor and reporter and Bills insider covering the Bills for decades, uh, all the 90s teams, the four straight Super Bowls, and everything in between, uh, just uh, kicking back now and enjoying life, and uh, really a, a close eye still on the team. And Stu, I appreciate all the spots over the years, and uh, we'll talk down the line, my man. Have a great summer. Thank you, Mike. I, I'm always grateful that you want to put me on, and I enjoy it very much. You too. Have a great summer, my friend. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.